I don't know about you all, but I have a garbage bag-sized balloon of gratitude right now for Olivia singing for us this morning. Thank you, Olivia. That was beautiful. Our handbell choir is back. It's easy to be grateful on this Sunday morning as we wrap up our stewardship season. Um, The last four weeks, we've had sermons on stewardship of technology, stewardship of time, the stewardship of our community, and the stewardship of our finances. And today, as you've heard, we are wrapping things up with a sermon about the stewardship of our gratitude. So as we turn our attention now to the reading and proclamation of God's word, let us bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we are so grateful today for the many blessings that you bestow upon us. We're thankful also for your word, which strengthens us each day and deepens our trust in you. So as we turn our attention to your scriptures now, we ask that your spirit would stir within us and give us ears to hear what you're saying to your church as we gather here today. All these prayers we make in the name of Christ, the word made flesh. Amen. The Old Testament lesson today is 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. I invite you now to listen for God's word to you. Then David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. And the New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Listen once again for God's word to you. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gratitude is the most basic building block of any community. As soon as our children begin to learn to talk, we teach them to say thank you. 
We love our pithy sayings about thankfulness, exhorting one another to maintain an attitude of gratitude, right? Or as one person famously told me through my tears at my high school graduation, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. But there is much more depth to gratitude than the surface level sort that makes you turn your frown upside down. True gratitude transforms us at the very deepest levels of our being. A deep sense of thanksgiving for all that God has done for us opens the way for us to live into the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. That's what the text from Luke this morning reveals upon close reading. The story begins with Jesus passing through the liminal space of the boundary between Judea and Samaria, which is not only a physical boundary, but also represents the divisions between Jews and Samaritans that were heavy in Jesus' day. And speaking of divisions, ten lepers approach Jesus, but they don't get too close. Lepers had to practice social distancing, and more severely than the six feet we have to maintain these days, lepers had to stay at a distance of 50 paces. They had to wear torn clothes and keep their hair disheveled so that everyone would know to stay away from them. They had to live in their own colonies, separated from everyone else, and they even had to call out, unclean, unclean, whenever they walked around so that people would keep their distance. These practices sound draconian, but they were biblical laws taken verbatim out of Leviticus 13. Today we know leprosy as Hansen's disease, but in biblical times it was a blanket term for skin diseases of all sorts. And in fact, scribes uh, identified 72 different skin conditions that merited this sort of social isolation and exclusion. So from a distance, these ten lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They don't ask for healing. Did you notice that? They ask for mercy, perhaps because the notion of being healed seemed altogether too difficult to fathom. You see, lepers were not just considered ill and in need of healing, but unclean and in need of cleansing. And Jesus' response to them is to tell them to go and show themselves to a priest. In order to return to normal society, you didn't just have to look like you'd been healed. A priest actually had to examine you and declare that you were now clean. So the ten set out toward the nearest priest, at this point still suffering from their affliction. And it's only while they are on their way that they are made clean. So there's a period of time between their petition for mercy and the healing that they receive. And by the time they've been cleansed, they're at some distance from the one to whom they owe a debt of gratitude. And that's the last we hear of nine of these ten men. But one of the men, upon realizing what Jesus had done for him, turns around and goes all the way back to Jesus praising God in a loud voice. And when he arrives at Jesus' feet, he prostrates himself before him and thanks him. Thanks him. And then Luke, our narrator, steps in with an important observation. And he was a Samaritan. 
In other words, the person who is aware of all that God has done for him is an outsider on multiple fronts. Not only has he been a leper, but he is also considered a heretic by the dominant religion of his day. And so once again, we have another story in the Gospels of Jesus bringing the outsider, the outcast, the ostracized into the fold of God's people. What separated this Samaritan from the other nine with whom he was healed? They, like him, were also outcasts. They, like him, received mercy from Christ. All of them experienced a miracle together, for which they were surely grateful. But only the Samaritan experienced God in the miracle. Only the Samaritan acknowledged God as the source of all that he was grateful for. I'm sure all of us have plenty of things for which we're grateful. Many people, even most people in our society, enjoy an abundance of good things, big and small. But not everyone experiences God in those good things. Many people are generally content with how their lives are going. About They're glad about where they are in life, sure, but... It doesn't lead them to worship God. In fact, many people are altogether indifferent to the presence of God in their lives, perhaps because they have so many good things that they don't think they need God for much of anything anyway. A number of years ago, I worked alongside a very passionate colleague at a Christian interdenominational ministry who was quite the evangelist. I'll call him Mike. Mike was convinced that People who weren't Christian were all aware of this gaping hole within themselves that needed to be filled. And so he was always telling everyone about this hole in their heart that only Christ could fill. This was the story of Mike's own life, which had prompted his dramatic conversion in college. And he certainly met a number of wandering souls with whom his message resonated well. And a lot of Christian evangelists hold this basic assumption about others. As St. Augustine said to God in his confession, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And indeed, certain Christians base their appeal to Christ on the assumption that everyone else is unsettled and restless, looking for something meaningful in a life that's otherwise void of hope and thanksgiving and gratitude. These sorts of evangelists are certainly correct that nothing compares to knowing Christ and the right that Christian faith heals and restores. But the problem is that not everyone experiences their lives as restless and longing for something more. A lot of people are perfectly happy to count their blessings without directing their gratitude toward God at all. A lot of people are satisfied with the goodness they believe they've generated themselves or that's come their way by good fortune or good luck. I suppose this is because God's material blessings can sometimes be so abundant that people receive them in all sorts of ways, regardless of whether they recognize God in them or not. Jesus says elsewhere, God causes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust alike. And indeed, there is plenty of good stuff, at least in our context, to go around. Perhaps this is the tragedy of the nine lepers. An abundance has been poured out upon them, but all it did was turn their frowns upside down. 
They experienced a good thing and were surely grateful for it, but they didn't experience God as the source of that good thing. Maybe they thought they'd just gotten lucky or that their determined initiative had been rewarded. But whatever they thought and whatever gratitude the miracle had stirred within them, it wasn't enough to compel them to praise God in a loud voice or prostrate themselves before Jesus. They simply took their good fortune and ran with it. It's a pity whenever we receive a good blessing from God but fail to experience God in that blessing. Whenever life takes a turn for the better, I'm sure we feel good about it no matter what. But if it's to be transformative, if it is to deepen our experience with salvation, then it should prompt us to direct our gratitude toward God. It should prompt us to sit at the feet of Christ and say, thank you, thank you. You see, for the Samaritan leper who returned to the feet of Christ, it was not his gratitude per se that transformed his heart, but his directing of that gratitude toward Christ that made all the difference. After remarking with surprise that only one of those he cleansed returned to thank him, Jesus says, Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The verb translated made you well is elsewhere translated to save. This is the word that refers to salvation. So when Jesus says your faith has made you well, he's saying your gratitude shows that you understand what God has done for you. The Samaritan's gratitude has enabled him to live into his salvation, to clothe himself with it, to quench his thirst with it. The Christian gospel is about our movement from outsiders to insiders. And our acceptance into the community of God's kingdom is the salvation we proclaim and the foundation for a life of gratitude. The one who returns to thank Jesus understands the salvation he has received in a way that the others do not. Lots of people experience good things. But only some people experience God in those good things and direct their gratitude heavenward. My favorite basketball player growing up was David Robinson of the San Antonio Spurs. And he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2009, along with four others. I remember watching their acceptance speeches, eager to hear Robinson speak. The others all gave gracious speeches and were were quick to thank all of those who had contributed to their great success in basketball throughout their careers. When Robinson spoke, though, his gratitude was palpable on a much deeper level. They told me, I can't talk very long, so I'll just give thanks, he began. He thanked his family, his friends, his pastor, his teammates, the Spurs organization. And as he came to the end of his speech, he said this. There's a story in the Bible about ten lepers that were healed by Jesus, and one of them came back, and one of them fell on his knees before him and said, Thank you. And I just want to say thank you. God has followed me in my career, and he has blessed me, and he has strengthened me, and anybody who knows me has seen his hand in my life, and my prayer is that he will walk with you as he has walked with me 
throughout my life. You see, all of the players were grateful, but Robinson was grateful to God for all the ways he had seen God's hand in his life. Clearly, God had blessed all of those amazing athletes with remarkable careers, but it was Robinson who was so visibly aware of what God had done for him. Robinson's gratitude and faith made him well. Friends, most people have a general sense of gratitude, and thankfulness is a great thing for anyone with a semblance of it. But for Christian people, knowing where to direct the gratitude we feel is what makes it transformative. Knowing where to direct our gratitude is how we steward it well. In the end, as was the case for the Samaritan leper, stewarding our gratitude is simply a matter of taking the time to go back and say thank you. Thank God for the mercy and grace with which you have been brought into salvation. Thank God for the people in your life who have shaped you into the best of who you are today. And thank those people in your lives, in whose lives you have seen the hand of God at work in their goodness and mercy toward you. Write them a thank you note. As we wrap up our stewardship season this year, it's appropriate for us to be grateful. It's important for us to thank all of those whose generosity has made our church what it is today. It's important for younger members such as myself to thank those older members who have modeled generosity for us for more years than we've been alive. It's important to thank our Sunday school teachers and our elders and deacons and our volunteers of all kinds for the ways in which their service in ministry has helped to form our faith into what it is today. And all of this gratitude is grounded ultimately in the knowledge of what God has done for us in Christ. We have been blessed, to be sure, but even more important, we have been brought into the fold of God's own family as siblings of Christ. And when our gratitude flows forth from that knowledge, then Jesus says also to us, your faith has made you well. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.